It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Jacob Markstrom makes 35 saves tonight, leading the Vancouver Canucks to a 2-1 win over the Edmonton Oilers. He was the best player on the ice, very deserving of being named first star. Derek Pouliot got the game winner two minutes into the third period. Sam Gagne had the other Vancouver goal. Connor McDavid scored for the Oilers his 41st of the season. He has 103 points. Kucherov for Tampa Bay had an assist tonight, so McDavid continues to lead the NHL scoring race by six. All right, it's 10.50 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Well, Rob, I'm curious to know what you think. Uh, that very much to me looked like a game between two teams counting down to the end of the season. Uh, yes, it was. I didn't. Uh, I didn't think there was a lot of intensity in that game, despite it being uh, close most of the way through. Well, the players that you noticed the most were were the call-ups by the Vancouver Canucks, guys that had something to prove. Uh, a ratty for the Edmonton Oilers, something that has something to prove. Uh, it was. It wasn't a physical game. It wasn't an emotional game. There wasn't a lot of pushing and shoving. And it looks like two teams that now are at the realization that summer vacation starts in five games or so five games from now two weeks from now uh, it's been a lost season for the Oilers it's been a frustrating rebuilding injury filled season for the Vancouver Canucks uh, there's a lot of players who have had mediocre to incredibly off seasons that hope the season could end tomorrow so that they can start refreshing and and rebuilding for next year so yeah it was it was a game between two teams that probably wish the the year was over and they can start focusing on being better next year. So Markstrom, very good. He's the first star. McDavid scored a great goal. He's the second star. Pouliot, the game winner, is the third star. Fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. Uh, we always pick an oiler here unless the, the game's an absolute disaster. Um, uh, Cam Talbot. I mean, sure. he, he made a couple saves when it was 2-1. Vancouver could have extended the lead. They didn't. I thought at that point that uh, the Oilers were going to come back, and I said to you, I think they're going to score late and win in overtime because the Canucks missed a number of grade-A scoring chances. So I think Cal Ta- Cam Talbot was one of the few Oilers that could say that he got uh, he's satisfied with the way the game went for him. Yeah, I mean, I th- I thought the the third period was Vancouver's best period, especially the first 10 or 12 minutes. Uh, I mean, the shots were 14-8 Edmonton in the second period. Missed some chances. Uh, Gagne got the goal where uh, the Oilers got uh, lazy defending. And I don't know why they're complaining about the icing. I mean, even if you, even if it was an obvious icing, which it wasn't, mm-hmm. it was waved off four to five seconds before the play 
developed. That that was a, a disappointing effort there, I thought, by Edmonton. It, it was. It, to me, it was the right call. Darnell Nurse uh, decided to play the man instead of the puck, which is which is fine. It, it's it, a lot of players do that, and then the puck they'll go back to your goalie. Talbot didn't play it. Larson fumbled it, and then four Oilers watched the puck and. No, four Oilers watched the puck, and they didn't get the guy that shot the puck, nor did they get the guy that got the rebound. So it was just a, a, a comedy of errors for the Oilers on that one, and they just never recovered. It, for Vancouver actually got better after that for a while, and then Vancouver came out, and then the, the third goal, or excuse me, the winning goal, the second goal for Vancouver, again, uh, the Oilers are in good position, and Leon Dreisaitl gets caught watching the puck. His man realizes it and I guarantee you that defenseman's like okay he's got his back to me jump now yep. and he jumped and an unbelievably pretty goal by Pouliot but it was Leon Dreisaitl Dreisaitl turned the, the wrong way and not taking his man so the Oilers the two goals the Canucks had were created by big mistakes by the Oilers and we talked about that before the game that the Canucks aren't going to beat you with their skill and they didn't they, got, they capitalized on poor plays by the Edmonton Oilers yeah well and then I thought the other way too I mean uh, I mean, Henrik Sedin is one of the best players of the last 15 years. He gives it away to McDavid. McDavid and Nugent Hopkins almost score in a scramble. Mm-hmm. Oilers get a power play to that. Drysaddle hits the post. Markstrom makes a great save on a jam by Raddy. And then Brandon Sutter, who's supposed to be the checking center on the Canucks, pass up the middle with two minutes left right on Strom's stick, and he wires it off the crossbar. Well, I mean, I just maybe I'm being overly negative tonight, but I just thought, you know, but this it, game was indicative of where these teams are at. Well, it is, and, and look at the players that you just, just named. You named Sutter, Sedin, Larson, and Dreisaitl, the veterans that don't make, that aren't supposed to make those mistakes, the ones that really don't have as much on the line as the other players. It wasn't the, the young, inexperienced. Vancouver had, what, eight guys in the lineup that wouldn't have played if they were healthy. Nine guys, I think. You didn't notice those players in a negative way at, at all. It was the veteran players, and it is tough. It is tough playing at this time of year when you know the season is over, the season is lost, and you're, you're just trying, I mean, you're trying to do the right things, but the desperation to do the right things just isn't as desperate as it was in January, December, or October when games really meant something. So Vancouver wins it 2-1. The Oilers' record uh, dropping on the year to 34-38-6. Four games to go. 780-496-0063. We have Robert on the line. Hey, Robert. Hey, guys. How you doing? Pretty how good. Doing tonight? Yeah, we're doing well. Wow. Well, no, I, mean, I think, I think uh, one, one of the best players tonight was McDavid. Obviously, he scored another goal. He's up to 41. But, I mean, you know what? I think they... Uh, you know, I think for the, for the most part, the Oilers played well tonight. You know, a couple couple defensive break breakdowns that led to goals, and on also, and I think Talbot Talbot played well again too. Talbot he's, Talbot continue this uh, this run that he's on, you know. And I you know, and I think if if Talbot can carry that over into next year, I think the the Oilers will be okay. Well, that, that's the hope. I, I think it was it was a good bounce back game for for Talbot. I, I don't think it was on him the Columbus game. But he didn't get the save that the Oilers needed because the Oilers were terrible and they needed saves. They didn't get it. And Talbot bounced back with a good game tonight. Um, Yeah, if Talbot plays like he has the last month and a half, if that's how he starts next year, then, yeah, the Oilers are going to be battling for a playoff spot. If Talbot struggles out of the gate like he did this year, the Oilers are not good enough to overcome average to below average goaltending. Yeah, no... uh... Now my, now my 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 second thought would be on the 
on the the defense tonight. I thought the thought the defense tonight was was fairly good, but you know, I mean, I think it was just uh, I, I still think the Oilers did definitely need that that uh, right shot defenseman and you know and uh, put on the power play and the the penalty kill obviously needs work too. But I thought I thought it was was decent tonight. But I guess you just have to see what kind of moves that Shirelli decides to make in the off season. Yeah, I appreciate it, Robert. Yeah, the, well, the PK's actually been better over the last, uh, what are we at now, about 22 games, now up to 54 for 60, so that's pretty good. The power play is still a, a source of frustration. They were trying different combinations again tonight. Again, a couple close calls, but they either go in or they don't, so you didn't get the goal that you needed. No, a couple close calls, but they were close when they put, took the puck to the net. Uh, there was the one power play, they kept everything to the outside. They got absolutely nothing on it. Then at the end, they became desperate. Uh, there was urgency, and they started throwing pucks on net, and they get scoring chances off it. So it, it, you don't always have to wait for a perfect shot before you shoot on the power play. Shoot on the power play. Get a rebound. Get a tip. Get It might bounce off a player and bounce back to you. Now you've got a better opportunity because the goalie's out of position. So uh, until the Oilers start shooting the puck with consistency on their power play, the power play is not going to be good. You need a quantity and a quality of shots. You can't just wait for the quality. You've got to have a number of shots going through, and the others just don't have that right now. That's going to be our adjustment of the game for Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. 2-1. The Canucks beat the Oilers. Derek Pouliot early in the third. That turned out to be the winner. We have Jimmy on line two. Hey, Jimmy. Fellas, how you doing? Yeah, pretty good. First time caller, long time listener. I, I just got uh, a couple of comments and, and maybe your thoughts as a back end to it as a question. I mean, whether it's game one, 20, 35, or 75, so much has been put on the moves Chiarelli has made or not made and, and the, the squad that we have. But I'm, I'm watching night in, night out for the whole season so much uninspired, unprepared. Uh, player, uh, whether it's a dry sidle or a Sakara or you know the goalie, just the first shot in. How many times this year? And you you gotta like how much onus has to be placed on the coaching staff, not just on the penalty kill or the power play, but their motivational ability to get these guys ready to start the game right off the hop, not let that first shot trickle by broken play or otherwise, whether it's, like I said, game one, 20, or 50. I mean, yeah, it's the end of the year, but you just see no gas in Dreisaitl's tank, and you wonder, like, what do these guys, how deep do they have to get into these players' heads to get them to play? Now, is, do you think, so you think the coaching staff should make Talbot better at the beginning of the game? The coaching staff should make Lucic want to hit someone, make Cassian want to block a shot? Or is that on the player... To that's his job. Like why? I, I to, definitely, definitely in their job, Rob. Yes, definitely that's yeah. So that's what I I agree. That's what they should be. Now I I don't I don't put this on the coaching staff. The the get the players up for a game. I've been in dressing rooms. I mean, every single guy knows what they want. There's got to be a willingness to do it. This is on the players. The, the reason Cassian had a, a, a incredibly subpar season is on Cassian. The reason Milan Lucic's last 41 games has gone with one goal, that's on Milan Lucic. I mean, Leon Dreisaitl, I'm a huge Leon Dreisaitl fan, 
and he was not very good tonight. He looks frustrated. He looks lost out there at times. And, I mean, the, the the winning goal, all on him. So to me, this is on I the players. Yeah, yeah, this is on the totally players. So and and I I don't know I don't know what you do. I don't know. Do you bring a, a bigger voice to the dressing room as far as a player? Because now you need someone that's going to hold the players accountable. Because that's what it is. When when the players are playing the way they are right now. It's not the coach holding them accountable. It's the players holding them accountable. And I don't know if they're held accountable enough by the players in the dressing room because it seems like over and over again it's the same players doing the same things. Yeah, as you as we you can pro- all agree. Sorry, Jimmy, go ahead. Talent takes, yeah, we can all agree that talent can only take you so far, natural or otherwise. Mm-hmm. We see the guys that have it. They got it. They show up. They can get by even on a, on a mediocre night. McDavid's making everybody look ridiculous. The guy's just amazing. However... I look to a team like Las Vegas, and I see a bunch of castaway players. Really, like, whatever is available out there, you guys get to pick from. And they put together a hard-working, even Travis's Green, Travis Green's team, yep. they work hard with what they got. We don't get that effort. And whether it's uh, something within the dressing room or people looking across the room at each other and not holding themselves accountable, this is what Alucic was supposed to bring to the dressing room. This is what the leadership was supposed to bring to the dressing room with a young captain. Gretzky was a young captain. Yes, he was surrounded by a lot of players, a lot of talent. But I'm just saying, how much is it the responsibility of the coaching staff for preparedness to get these guys ready with a plan so they're, they're not misguided or not losing their focus? That's disappointing to me. I see a lot of just lack of effort. Yeah, I, Whether it's player, it's, it's just been sad to watch this year. To me, I... I too much out of them last year. Yeah, I, you know, I, I agree with what you say, and to me it's on the players. This is on the players, be, and, and it all goes, they have to hold each other accountable, and it, it obviously hasn't been there enough, the accountability, because they, I mean, the effort, the lack of, to me, it's, it's not the lack of effort, the lack of emotion is what is missing, and this Oiler team is not skilled enough to play without emotion. Yeah, I mean, well, and I... I, we've talked about that a lot. It's it's effort often spent in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know if it was so much the case tonight. I think Jimmy's asking more a, a season, oh, yeah. season. Oh, I agree. Question. I agree because I mean, tonight. I mean, to me, this was two teams. They that know that they've got five games left in the season. Yeah, they yeah. tried hard enough. The best player on the ice was Vancouver's goalie, and mm-hmm. they won, they won the game. I mean, the Oilers probably had more grade A scoring chances mm-hmm. by a couple, but yeah, I mean, I know uh, it's it's when the season goes this bad you can debate about anything and I think like players coaches can have down years too mm-hmm. I, I think you know they'd like to have had a better season on the power play and get their message across better I, I know when the Oilers had that stretch where they gave up the first goal like every second game for mm-hmm. three weeks McClellan said okay we got to win the 10 minute game then we have to win the 50 minute game so he tries he has done things to try to change their mentality mm-hmm. to say like okay we when the game's 10 minutes old we have to be at least tied right so let's really focus on that and then then we set ourselves up for the 50 minute game so he does do things like that about mentality he did a lot more his first year we had the whole don't fold your hand mm-hmm. uh, uh, mantra for for a while so yeah, I mean it's been tough. It's been tough for so many reasons, but the 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 energy and the detail, a lot most of the time, more often than not, has has been lacking. And I also don't think it's a great roster. I don't know if it's a seventy four point roster. You'd think maybe they could have got a little more out of this, but it's not a great roster yeah. either. I mean, Drysaddle's frustrated because he's playing with nobody. Yes, absolutely, and you can see it in his body language. And to me, I. 
I know that we've had callers the last couple of days, you know, after Columbus, and, and I'm sure there's people tonight that are frustrated. I, I have a hard time right now um, evaluating the work of the others for right now because these games don't matter. Yeah, so, like you pound so, Ottawa, okay. Yeah, yeah, like you, you, Carolina, great. Like. And you get hammered by Columbus. To me, these games are ones where if things go right for the Oilers early, you know what, they might carry on. If they face some adversity, it's not going to be as good. If it's a boring game, well, if they get the shot, if they get the save, they win. If they, if they don't get the save, they lose. To me, it's what happened up until now. Because this is, this is garbage time. These games mean nothing. So it's much different playing now than it was playing when the games meant something. So the evaluation, to me, you evaluate this time, but the big evaluation is what did the Oilers do through the first 60 games? The guys, and we've talked about this, the guys it's really important for, I think, are Raddy, uh, Bear, even though I don't expect him to be on the team at the start of next year. And I still think it's important for Talbot to feel a little bit better uh, and you know what? And I, think, and I think he's there. I, I think Talbot is back to where he believes he's in himself. He's had a pretty good, yep. you know. Yeah. So I, regardless of what happens in the next five games, I think he's there. And it's also important for Kajula. It's important for Shlepeshev. Those guys are fighting to stay, be well, part of the odds going forward. I mean, is he in the plans? No, he's not. You were right about him last year. He's never scored at any level. No, and he, and he won't. No. No. And I think Kajula can be on the team. I don't know if he's a second liner. No, he's not. He's he's a a, a a third fourth liner, and if he plays on those and brings you because and he the, can get hot streaks and finish yeah, the odd play, and he can move up if if someone's struggling up. And what I like about him is he will be physical and he will play with a little bit of edge, and that's what you need on your third and fourth lines. So, uh, I the Oilers need some change, and it'll be interesting to see how much change they have this summer. All right, two one, the Canucks win. That means a twenty five dollar donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast paced world. They give twenty five dollars every time the Oilers score, and it is now over fifty five hundred bucks for the season. All right, more phone calls in a second here. Let's go back to Vancouver. Here's Oilers coach Todd McClellan. And the goals, but did you like the sense of urgency late from your team, and, and was there some just one of those games where you needed that last bounce. Well, we needed to uh, to finish on some of the opportunities I thought early in the game as well. And um, when you fall behind against this team, they check well. They uh, they're real good through the neutral zone. And I thought that Markstrom had uh, an exceptional game. So uh, not a uh, an awful game by us, but uh, a game where the opportunities that presented themselves needed to be finished, and they weren't. Is there just not much Sam Gagne could have done on Connor McDavid's goal there? Just elite skill at a high speed. Yeah, he's, he's a fast guy. Obviously, he got in behind him, and uh, it was a quick release, so it was a beautiful goal. Um, typical Connor night. Did you get uh, an explanation or one that you could kind of live with regarding the non-icing? Well, the, the play itself, everybody paused, and, and that's on us. We have to play until the whistle goes. Uh, you know, there was certainly some question on whether or not the uh, the puck was touched or whether or not uh, Darnell Nurse lifted the the, uh, the stick of, of the Vancouver player. But, you know, in my opinion, it still happened on the other side of the red line. So either way, it would have been icing. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of the breaks that gets built into the game, and we had our opportunities to overcome that with some, some glorious looks around the net, and we didn't put it in. Do you like your power play later in the game, a little better than early? Well, we only had two. Uh, the early one was was average. The second one was dangerous. I think we hit the crossbar and the post. And, uh, you know, it had some urgency in it, which was good. Um, not every power play is going to be uh, lethal. 
but eventually you got to score, and, and we again we created chances. Leon's was probably the best one. I think it hit the post, uh, but uh, those have to be put in. The goal that Leon scored was that just one of those ones where a defenseman came in and then Cam looked like he overcommitted, thought that he had help. He had help. We committed. We lost coverage, is what yeah. we did. We got looking at the puck, and and Pouliot made a, a good jump to the hole. And uh, he also made a tremendous pump fake. And when you do that, you, you the goalie's coming out to commit, and uh, you have to give him credit for for having the poise to make the play. Uh, no, nobody's ever due, but we we thought uh, he needed a little uh, a little breather, and he needed to watch a game uh, at this level. And um, you know, he's been uh, very good offensively. He struggled a little bit defensively lately, and uh, it never hurts for a player to to go back up top and watch it when it's moving a little bit slower and uh, there's a lot of coaching done with him over the last couple days to try and help him uh, let him absorb that and throw him back in uh, on Saturday all right so that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan Oilers lose 2-1 to the Vancouver Canucks McDavid in the first period his 41st he has 14 points over the course of a six-game point streak Gagne tied it in the second period and Pouliot won it early in the third. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, it's 11-10. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Here's Logan on the line. Hey, Logan. Hey, Reed. Hey, Rob. Hello. Um, I have a, a better offense tonight. I'm better on the bottom teams in the West. But do you think the Oilers would come out with two points? They need another alliance to do more, have some chances after the second goal from Vancouver. Do you agree with that, Rob? Yeah, yeah, the Oilers... Uh they needed to create more from their other lines. You know, the Vancouver Canucks are not deep right now. They've got a number of uh, minor league players that have been called up, so there was going to be mismatches in the lineup, and it was going to be the second, third, and fourth lines for the Oilers that were going to benefit from those mismatches. I thought the Strom line took advantage of that. They had a number of good scoring chances, but I, I thought Leon's line wasn't as noticeable tonight. I thought it was a little quiet for them, due to, especially with them. They didn't have to face Edler, the best Vancouver defenseman. They didn't have to face, you know, the, the top line of the Vancouver Canucks. So, yeah, the, the, the Oilers needed to get more out of, more production out of their two, three, and four lines in a game where those lines were going to be matched up against, you know, call-ups. And they didn't get it, and because of that, uh, the Oilers fell. They just, they simply, the, the Vancouver Canuck players outworked the Oilers players in a lot of situations tonight. And the Oilers were second in races, second in battles, second to lose pucks, and it cost them. Yeah, I mean, I thought those the Oilers' third and fourth lines had had some decent zone time and chances in the first couple of periods. But like we've talked about a lot, the uh, you know no finish if your name's not McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, or Drysaitel. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's been an, another thing about this year is you know the, the, you you look down there and you see some six two wins, seven three wins, seven two, and then. You know they've lost one nothing a couple times. They lose you know two one tonight. I mean it's it's like they get the goals in bunches when you know you could have you know five two or six two big deal and then you need another one on a night like this and you can't get it to go. And in a lot of these games, when you notice the the close low scoring games that the Oilers are in, it, 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 when I'm watching, I'm thinking okay McDavid's lines out there, they got a chance. Yeah, they're going to score the shifter. They're going to get a good scoring chance. Okay, when he's off, then you almost take that breath. Okay, we got to wait three more minutes for McDavid to get out there to create offense again. You just there's there's no offensive confidence 
from uh, that I have right now that someone other than the first line is going to create something in these close games. Now, there are the games where everybody seems to score, but they're all in the same game when they play against a team where nothing goes right for that team, everything goes right for the Oilers. But right now, when I'm watching these games and you and I are sitting in here or we're sitting in the press box, the majority of the games you feel, okay, when McDavid's out there, you're on the edge of your seat. When he's not out there, you lean back because nothing is going on when his, when his line's not on the ice. 2-1 Vancouver wins tonight. We have Gary on line four. Hey, Gary. Gentlemen, good evening. Reed, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. It's been a while since I called. You know what? If we didn't have uh, McDavid, <laughs> these last few games before the end of the season uh, uh, wouldn't be worthwhile watching once the Oilers fans. And thank God we have him. And uh, he's been carrying this team, and he's driven, man. I mean, that goal he scored, splitting two uh, Vancouver uh, players and, and quick shot on on the goalie there and scoring, he's scoring in different ways. And uh, man, I can see him next year. I mean, he can go for 50. I think he start, start shooting more than that. And uh, I'm, thinking, I'm sure he's going to do it. He'll be, it's been a while since the order players go, score 50 goals or more, but I think next year he'll do it. And speaking of the points, I mean, uh, all the setups he did to sh- try to set up uh, his teammates, all those miss, uh, missed uh, opportunity scoring or hitting the post or missing the goal and all he would have a lot more points too and uh thank god we have on our team um lack of execution a lack of um uh commitment for this team um uh attention to detail compared to last year big difference and uh, uh i wish the other players would follow mcdavid to leave and uh i i uh, regards to the art ross i think he's he's got to be voted hands down i mean if we get to 110 points next four games Hands down, he's got to win the Art Ross. No, no doubt. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it. Yeah, when it obviously winning the hearts is what Gary uh, meant. That's for the, the vote for MVP. You should win the Art Ross as Art Ross as the as uh, as the leading scorer. Yeah, I mean, a bunch of things there. I, I mean, I'm, and there's always it's always that fine line talking about effort, Rob, because we saw some pretty bad Oilers teams, mm-hmm. like far worse than this one. And we took a lot of calls about effort, and a lot of times you and I were like, "I, I think they're trying. They're just not like they're not really that." I mean, good. A lot of those guys weren't in the NHL. I'm not going to like pick on guys, but a lot of guys who played for the Oilers. As much as people focus on ex Oilers who are doing well on other teams, there are more guys who played for the Oilers and then barely or didn't play in the NHL mm-hmm. after that. I, I don't know if that's going to be the case. Like, is Ponta Saber trying as hard as he can? I, I think he probably is. I agree. But yeah. he's just, you know, trying that's to what he is. figure it out. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he got traded for, well, Mark Letest, who were a fourth-round pick. I mean, it, it's not that when we got Ponta Saber, we weren't getting the second coming. We were getting a guy that was cast off by, by another organization because they didn't feel he was good enough to play there. So it was a, a, an opportunity for Aberg, and he's shown you know, glimpses of, of what he can be. But, yeah, I, I, the effort level is, is there. It's the attention to detail and, and the desperation yeah. that is lacking and right that's now. That's the thing. And, and like, you go, to go back to what you said about dry cycle, you can't have your $8.5 million guy. And, and, look, maybe if the game's meant more, maybe he's more aware in that situation. Mm-hmm. But still, that turns out to be the game winner tonight, so it gets it gets talked about. Yep. No, and in execution, he executed a shot. <laughs> that it's an inch the other way it goes in and the game is tied but they but yeah the execution especially offensively hasn't often been there right it's it's, well, it, it's it, a lot it, of it's a lot of almosts or, or you know but is that execution or or the players just not as good or again yeah depending yeah. on the guy yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah I mean Lucic is it on execution on him or is, no this is what you got from Lucic and last 
last year the pucks were going in for him. This year they're just not. But I don't think he's executing any different. I don't think he's shooting the puck any different. It just he is what he is. All right, Chris on line five. Chris, thanks for calling. How you guys doing? Can you hear, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. First, I'd like to say uh, that I really enjoy your uh, your guys' uh, post-game work. It's, uh, it's been great all year. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. Um, I was at the game tonight, and, you know, it's it's really hard to criticize, you know, Connor or, or uh, Leon. There are two best players. But, uh, you know, I found them on the, on the wrong side of the puck a lot tonight. And, you know, McDavid scored an exceptional goal. But, um, you know... I, you know, I don't know, like you, you said earlier, uh, Rob, you know, like we're kind of in garbage time now and it's hard to be too critical. But, uh, you know, I found those two players on the wrong side of the pluck a little bit. And, I, you know, I wonder how much of that permeates through the team. Uh, good point. It is. I think it would... It would... Uh, permeate through, big word for, for I mean that's a big word for me to use right there but permeate I'm going to steal it from you to permeate through the team it'd be, it would be worse if this was in game 60 and the games met something uh, I think that if you look around the league and you see the teams that are this far out the star players on those teams uh, they're taking a little more liberty than they normally would if this was a playoff game Leon Dreisettle wouldn't have uh, lost his man there. Well, you hope not. You hope not. Well, but I mean, we saw what well, we saw. But yeah, you saw last year in the playoffs. Whether when there's more, there's more urgency in the game. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And when your your leaders, they've got to do the little things because if as a coaching staff and as an organization, you're trying to point the, the players towards playing the proper way. And you say, okay, well, you know, Leon, he didn't do it. Well, why should I? So yeah, you're absolutely right. They got to be better. But having said that, because of the situation the Oilers in are in, the number of games that are left and what the games mean right now, you're going to see more cheating now than you normally would. It's not right, but you will. And there was a, uh, a call a couple back talking about the coaching. And, you know, I think, um, you know, Todd does a, does a great job, but you wonder if he could have took an, or, or taken an opportunity there after, you know, that, that goal that went in and, and Leon lost his man. Do you take that opportunity to sit Leon and, and show the rest of the team, you know, this is what accountability means or... Or what do you think about that? Uh, yeah, good point. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know on that one. I mean, yeah, possibly. I mean, it was a big moment in the game. It was a, a poor play. Um, sit him down, talk. I don't know, talk to him on the bench. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I bench him, but if they do, yeah, it does send a message to the team. So yeah, I. I wouldn't, but I, I see your point, and I have no no problem if they would have done that and said, all right, we need more out of you. We are, you're a better player than that. I think what we see with Todd, a lot of the times he says, okay, you just made a bonehead play. Go out there and, and, and make it up. Yeah, prove that's not prove, who you are. Yeah, yeah. Be, be better this next shift. A lot of the time, if, if the bonehead plays come over and over and over again, then he steps in, and that's when a player gets benched. But... Um, yeah, I, I can absolutely see your point on, on benching him or, or sending a message at least for a shift to say, all right, you're better than that. We don't want that again. All right, Oilers lose 2-1 in Vancouver. We got Merv, Tony, and Will up next on the phone line. It's 11:20 Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Then join us on May 6th to truly make a difference. 
This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 chip. Draw chipped in front, quick shot and a save, and that's the one Talbot needed. And he got it against Ashton Sautner, who was looking for his first NHL goal. Yeah, the former Oil King almost scored there. Ashton Sautner in his third NHL game denied by Talbot. That's the save of the game for Arcan Trailer and RV Center, Alberta's favorite RV dealership now carrying motorhomes. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks for staying up. Long weekend ahead, I hope for most of you. It's 11.25, Canucks 2, Oilers 1. Got to quickly get this one in here, Rob. A uh, baseball blogger made an icy splash after the Cubs' home opener in Chicago. Prior yeah. to Thursday's season opener between the Marlins and Cubs, Bleacher Nation blogger Michael Cerami tweeted that if Cubs leadoff hitter Ian Happ hit a home run, he'd jump into Lake Michigan. Happ launched the first pitch he saw into the right field bleachers. That's exactly what he did, and I'm a man of my word. So here goes nothing. The shoreline temperature of Lake Michigan, 41 degrees. Good. Ryan Burrow, ABC News, Chicago. Okay, it was, sorry, the Cubs were on the road for that game, but he did it in Chicago and Lake Michigan. Well, it's kind of funny. Just as you go into the story, they're showing it on TV, him jumping into the lake. I can tell you that lake is cold. <laughs> very, very cold <laughs> right now. Well, there's the, it's funny, another baseball one years ago when I was in Pittsburgh, the Pirates were down, I think it was like 9-1 going into the seventh inning or something like that. And one of the guys on says, if the Pirates come back and win this game, I'll walk home from Philadelphia. <laughs> and the Pirates came back and won. He couldn't walk home then because they had a game the next day, but he did a charity thing and at the end of the season he went back to Philadelphia and he walked from Philadelphia to Pittsburgh oh, to nice. raise money. So I've I've always learned be very careful what you say <laughs> because right. someone's listening and someone will rem- remember the dumb thing that you said and make you do whatever you promised. Okay, Canucks edge the Oilers 2-1 tonight 7804960063. We have Merv standing by. Hi Merv. Hi. Go ahead, buddy. Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, well, I, I was just listening to what you said about Cubs and, and, and whatever. And that would be a cool thing. So what would you lay out in the line to walk home or jump into a lake? Uh, absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, you're a smarter man than, than probably that individual. So anyhow, getting back to the Oilers, my question is, 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 is do you think that possibly they're might be issues in the Oilers dressing room that doesn't come to light. I mean, the coaching staff, nobody's going to say something like that or, or say they're having any problems with that, but I'm wondering if there's something like that that's going on with the Oilers. Um, I, I have not heard of anything in the dressing room being a problem, and normally when there are problems in a dressing room, it comes out. It, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to hide. So I've heard nothing. I just think that the Oilers are having an off year and we're not near as good as what a lot of people anticipated them to be. I just, and right now they're playing out the string. So to me, I, I don't think this is a dressing room thing. I think this is, they're not as good as everyone had hoped they would be. It, it's, and I mean, it's, it's hard to know. And I mean, I don't think there's any group of 20 alpha males, most of whom are in their 20s, who are going to get along with each other. Mm-hmm. All the time. I mean, I think they, you know, I think maybe they miss Hendricks a little bit, uh, just in terms of uh, focus and being a bit of a rallying point. Now, mm-hmm. do you keep Hendricks if he was going to play 25 games a year? We've had that debate, obviously. So I, I hope they learn from this season. I hope I hope they learn from how things sort of spun out of control early. I think they were a little confused. Like I think they might have been 
maybe a little overconfident or mm-hmm. believe the hype a little bit at the beginning and then I think they went through a period of confusion where it's like oh my god this is this is happening to us and then now obviously despite tonight the last couple of games they have been relaxed and a little better a little more focused over the last 20 games or so do I think they're hating each other or infighting I mean I don't know I'm not around when it's only them but I think if it were that bad Rob it, it would it would be, it would leak out pain. it always does yeah, yeah. But do I think they're all 20 best friends? Well, of course they don't. I don't think they are. But teams put that aside and you go play. Yeah, normally most teams, you, you, there's not a whole lot of friction. It's, it's a bunch of guys that all with the same likes, same goals. Uh, normally there's very, I've been on, well, I played on a lot of different teams and I, I can count on one hand the guys that I didn't like. So most guys do get along. Some some get along better. And on this one, from the, the, the events, because I do a lot of hot stove events, and the events, and I start talking to the guys, the young guys, there's a core group of young guys that get, I mean, they all play video games together. Mm-hmm. They all play this Fortnite thing that I've never played, but I hear it's popular amongst the youngsters. And they, they get together and do that all together. So I, uh, I've i heard nothing uh, that would say that there's any sort of fraction at all in the turn, in the team. Canucks over the Oilers 2-1 tonight. Let's quickly check the Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard. Pierre-Luc Dubois, hat-trick for Columbus. They win again, 12 of their last 13, 5-1 over the Flames. Flames have lost seven straight. Jeff Carter with a hat-trick for the Kings in their 4-2 win over Arizona. The Bruins move into first in the Atlantic ahead of the Lightning by beating Tampa Bay 4-2. Red Wings shoot down the Sabres 6-3. Great goal by Crosby in overtime. Penguins 4, Devils 3. Senators win on a penalty shot by Pajot in overtime. 3-2 over the Panthers. So it remains a three-point cushion for the Devils over Florida in the east and the Panthers only have one game in hand so they could have needed that uh, could have used that extra point tonight to move within two instead they're three behind Predators beat the Sharks 5-3 wild win on home ice 5-2 against the Stars and Chicago incredible story not only did the Blackhawks kind of unexpectedly because the, the Jets are way up there and the Blackhawks are way down there in the standings Blackhawks beat the Jets 6-2 a uh, emergency goalie named Scott Foster who is 36. He makes uh, seven saves in the final 14 minutes. The, the funny thing about that too, Reed, is you and I watched the highlights here a little while ago. They put the guy's wreck hockey yeah, stats like up four, there. 40 goals against him. Yeah, he's, he's given up almost five goals a game in a beer league, yet he comes in and he took he a... He made one great save. Off, he made a big one. Across, yeah. yeah, and he made another one off Bufflin. Uh, I mean, it, he was unorthodox and awkward, but you could see in a season that has been absolutely horrendous for the Chicago Blackhawks, you could see joy in their faces. They went out to celebrate with their beer league goalie at the end of the game. And the Blue Jays lost 6-1. Giancarlo Stanton already paying off for the Yankees. Two homers and a double, four RBIs. Jays only had two hits today. Pilar homered for one of them. All right, no Japanese Village goal light tonight. The Oilers have to score five or more in a game for us to turn that on on 630ched.com slash Oilers. Then you can print up a free appetizer coupon to Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. And Will is on the line. Hello, Will. Good evening, gentlemen. Hello. Good to hear from you again. Uh, so I just uh, had a comment on uh, the defense, uh, the team. Uh, you hear with Carlson and uh, Dowdy being available potentially, I guess, uh as far as the Oilers go, what do, what do you think are the chances of uh, 
the Oilers making a move to to get somebody of that uh, cornerstone D that we so desperately need? I, I would say zero chance. Zero chance? I, I zero chance. I, I they I don't think they could afford him. Can't afford him? I don't think so. Not when it comes to salary cap, they're going to be. I mean, Carlson's probably going to get ten million a year, eight to ten million a year. Reed. Yep, Dowdy, Dowdy, yep. eight to ten million a year. The others don't have that in their. I mean, unless you trade a dry sale. Is, is it? Is yeah. It, is it manageable though? Can the can the GM make that work? I, your... I I don't think so. You'd have to get rid of dry sale to start with, because you're going to have to. I mean, adding a ten million dollar contract to a, an already having a twelve million dollar and an eight million dollar and a couple six million dollars, it's not going to work. You'd have to move something, and that you would have to move dry contract. That's the only way. So then you got to find someone that's going to take eight and a half million dollars for the next. What's he got? Seven more years left. So I, I I don't think it. And you you've got to have those guys got to want to come here. And I think they both have one more year left on yes, their contract. Yes, they both have. Dowdy and, and Carlson both have a year before their so, UFA. So you'd have to have something in writing guaranteed because you can't extend them till after January first, right? So. Yeah, so I I would say it it'd would be, it'd be tough. Will I wouldn't I wouldn't bank on. I I wish it, they would come. Either one of them, I, they are as good as any in the National Hockey League to watch play, and any team they're on are going to be better because of them. But I see zero chance. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't say zero will, but I because I I never rule anything out entirely. It's just my how, personality. How about a guy like How about a guy like Parenko from St. Louis? How about a guy? Well, like that? Did, but it, you're you're talking about a really good hockey player that St. Louis isn't going to give up. Well, they're not doing that great this year, right? Well, they're they're gonna they're in the playoffs right now. But I I don't put him on the level of the other two guys you mentioned either, right? So that's a totally different type of deal. Yeah, but but St. Louis is a playoff hockey club. Yeah. So the, I mean, Colt Pareko was a, a a part a big part of that. I mean, they're they're missing Bowmeister right now, and Pareko is one of the guys that is leading the charge for St. Louis. Yeah, I, again, another player that I would love to have on the Edmonton Oilers. But and he's got four more years left on his contract. Yeah, he's, St. Louis isn't moving him. They gave him a long-term deal because they like him. I mean, any player what? that you name is going to be someone that we really want, but it's also <laughs> because he's good and the other team's probably not going to want to give up on him. Yeah. My final comment, gentlemen, is uh, we need a better start coming out uh, next season. Oh, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, yeah. who, who knows? I mean, that's the thing. Well, they started one and four, and that might not seem like, uh, you know, every team's had a five-game stretch where they've got only two or three points. But when you start that way, you're you're playing catch up the entire season. And the Oilers, I, I don't I don't think mentally they ever overcame that as much as anything else. Yeah, it's, it it, it kind of grows and uh, it creates its own uh, psychological battle within the team. But I think that needs to improve uh, from the get-go. I guess. Yeah, and I and I and to get back what we were talking about earlier, I don't think they had the experience to handle that. The Penguins yeah. lost the what was it their second game of the season? They lost ten one. Mm-hmm. They that's can overcome the that. Leader on the back end, though, that's that's those guys that they're few and far between. And if you can, if you have a chance to to acquire them, you know you you look at that and you see if it, if it's manageable. I think you have as a GM, you have to do. Uh, your work in trying to uh, secure someone like that, I mean, or somebody close to that, I think uh, goes a long way to build a, a winner. 
All right, Will, we're going to finish the play with you. We want to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, Jet Set Parking. One-night stays or long-term parking. Find your perfect match from five fifty a day at jetsetparking.com with promo code CHED. And now it's Russell. Right side, Drysaddle hits the line. Kajula hovering close by. Drysaddle bulldozes his way in. All right, Will, Drysaddle uh, setting up a play for Aberg in the second period. Goal or no goal? No goal. And now it's Russell. Right side, Drysaddle hits the line. Kajula hovering close by. Drysaddle bulldozes his way in. Quick shot to save on Aberg. And- all right, Will, hang on the line. You win, finish the play. Aberg had a chance from in tight there, couldn't finish. One of Dreisaitl's, well, probably Dreisaitl's best offensive play of the game in terms of playing setup. Yeah, it, it was not a, a great game for Leon. He looks frustrated. He does. His body language. He got some jump late in the game when he was put out with Nugent Hopkins and Connor McDavid. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, the the goal against, the winning goal, that's, that's all on Leon. He needs to be better, and uh, I would expect he would be better against the Calgary Flames. Got a winner tonight on Faceoff Trivia. Gets a $50 gift card to Bubbles. Brought to you by Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Had some fun tonight. Name all four teams that UC Jokinen has played for. Jason knew this, Rob. He started with L.A., went to Edmonton, Columbus, and Vancouver. Us. What did he st- oh, that's right. Yes. Us to L.A., then Columbus, then Vancouver. Right, there you go. Yeah, it's been a long season. Got Tony on the line. Hey, Tony. Hey, you guys doing tonight? Doing great. So, um, the one thing I know is the last two games, including the Columbus one, was um, after they tied the game up in the Columbus game, they kind of seemed like they were defeated because, oh, we just gave up a three-goal lead. What are we going to do now? And then look what happened. Seven straight goals. We were on fire the first ten minutes. We came out on fire. And tonight it was basically the same thing, except for it was a blown icing call that everybody says it was because the guy... Um, I think it was Larson. He lifted the guy's stick up, and he didn't touch it at all. No, it wasn't Larson. Sorry. My bad. That was my fault. But it's It was like, Darnell Nurse. Nurse. Larson was on the other Thank side. You. Thank you. But he's the one who picked it up, right? And as soon as that happened, Gagne scored. And that's when the boys kind of just like, okay, well, that just happened. Why? Like, it seems, it seems like every time that something bad happens to us, it deflates us. That should give us more encouragement to say, okay, you know what, something bad just happened, but we're not going to let that get to us and get us down. We're going to come out even harder, and we're going to show these guys that we're not as bad as everybody thinks we are this year. So that's, other than that, other than that, I'm just happy the fact that McDavid Davis has basically won the Art Ross race because I don't think Kucherov's catching up. He's too far behind now, and... If McKinnon doesn't get uh, get to the the abs to the playoffs, he's not going to get it either. So thanks for taking my call, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, Tony. Well, first of all, I, I I'll disagree with Tony a little bit in that I actually don't have a problem with that icing being waved off. Mm-hmm. I think it was the right call. And it wasn't where it was one of those where the linesman has his arm up and then puts it down, and the defenseman's like, "What are you doing?" Like. They had plenty of time to play that properly. Well, and Larson knew it wasn't an icing. The whole time he knew it wasn't icing. But that is one problem the Oilers have had this year. Now, again, it hasn't been as bad over the last 20 or 21 games. They haven't dealt with adversity very well. And that's why we a lot of times we've seen, okay, they're in a game, close game. Oh, three goals in five minutes. The game's over. Yeah. yeah. Their, their response hasn't been well exactly. when, when they face adversity. Exactly. No, I, absolutely. And, and, but I think that if you go through 
all the teams from 18 to 31 in the league. Yeah. You probably, their, their talk shows probably saying the same thing. Yeah, when like the Flames hits, are yeah. getting crushed yeah. every game right yeah. now, right? They, they just, when adversity hits, it just, it magnifies, it just keeps blowing up on them. So, and and then the, the Art Ross, if Connor McDavid doesn't get another point the rest of the season, I still think he wins the Art Ross. I don't think Kucherov gets six the rest of the year. They've slowed down a little bit in Tampa. And then if McKinnon's team, I know that he, uh, what was the gentleman's name that just called again? That was Tony. Tony. Tony called. He said that if McKinnon doesn't make the playoffs, he doesn't. it's not the R. Ross. He was talking about the heart. I think if he doesn't, then it's going to be a Kopitar or a Claude Giroux. I think Claude Giroux is having a fantastic year in Philadelphia as well. All right, Oilers lose 2-1 to the Canucks. Let's go back to Vancouver, and here's Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Kind of chalk up to it. Could have gone either way, especially at the end there. Your sense of urgency on that power play was really good, and you seem to have your chances. Uh, we definitely had our chances. I mean, it's just we couldn't get that second one by them. Um, they played a pretty stingy game. I think that's kind of the way that they've been playing lately. So um, we fought hard for our chances, and uh, just when we got them, we just couldn't put them in tonight. Was that first power play for you guys maybe a little bit of a moment? momentum swing for them because it came right back after Maybe the way that it played out, but I don't think that uh, the way that we played on it really dictated the game. I mean, it's just kind of how it played out. I mean, they, they killed it. They came back and scored. So um, happens a lot of the time the other way, too. So um, it's nice to get some get some looks on the power play and uh, obviously bear down when you can. But um, in the end, they just got that extra one, and we couldn't find it. So they were stingy and tight, but just one where you keep your hat to the goalie a little bit, too? Made yeah. some... No, he was really solid. I mean, he made some huge saves and um, probably similar shot total but I thought we had some really really high high end shots and high end chances so um, so unfortunately couldn't uh, couldn't break him tonight what did you uh Sammy on that one play by by Connor. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even see him all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, not much you can do in that situation is has uh, gags. Um, he's not a slow guy either, but um, when Connor has a head of steam, it's uh, tough to get in front of him, tough to stop him. All right, that's the Nuge. Oilers lose 2-1 to the Canucks. We got something special when we get back. You're going to hear from Scott Foster, the emergency goaltender for Chicago tonight, who has a day job, played the final 14 minutes of their 6-2 win over the Jets. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Easter weekend ahead. It's 11.47. The Oilers lose 2-1 in Vancouver. McDavid got his 41st. Gagne and Pouliot scored for Vancouver. So in Chicago, accountant by day, goalie by night. That's the headline all over the internet. Scott Foster dresses as an emergency goalie for Chicago, and then he had to play because the other goalie got hurt. Here's his post-game interview. Job and then you're, uh, you're living your dream, so it's fun. 
All right, well, I'm assuming that's the interview they do on the ice after the game. Because <laughs> that's their post-game locker room interview, someone needs to turn that music down. Yeah, that's well, they won a game, so they haven't won one in a while in Chicago. But it's funny you talk about Johnny's Ice Hot Box. That's the rink just down the road. And I, I we've skated there, and that's where they have all the beer league and the shinny games are always played there. So, uh, unbelievable. Like, seriously. I there's, 2006, there's, his last game of competitive hockey at the Western Michigan University. Twelve years ago was the last time he played in a real. And so, think about it. There's, there's all these gentlemen out there listening right now that play beer league hockey. So the goalie that your goalie could play for the Edmonton Oilers one day, and 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 stop Bufflin and stop Shifley and stop Myers on shot. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's like it's like a fantasy camp, except you're not getting the old has been hockey players. You're actually getting the guys that are in shape that are really playing right now. Some other quotes. I'm an accountant by day, so a few hours ago I was sitting on my computer typing, and the quote of the year, I think I'm just hitting my prime. I mean, you might as well have fun with it. (laughs) But again, if you see the video, look at how excited and happy this Blackhawk players are as they mob him after the game. And also, when he comes, the, the goalie that got hurt, it was a weird injury. That I don't even know the uh, guy's Delia. name. Delia. I've never heard of him before either. But it was just a, an innocent shot, and it looked like he got shot. He had to be carried off the ice by the trainers. And then when this kid, this Johnson comes down, is it Johnston? The last guy, the, they're the, the beer league goalie, so his last name, Johnson? Oh, Foster. Scott Foster. Oh, sorry, Foster. Yeah, Foster. When Foster's coming out of the, the tunnel and he has to walk by Joel Quenville on the, the bench, Quenville is killing himself laughing. The coach of the Blackhawks, who's been around forever, has seen anything that could ever be seen in the National Hockey League, in hockey in general, is laughing his head off because they got some beer league goaltender that's about to go play goal in net in a National Hockey League game. So uh, good on Scott Foster. Uh, an incredible story that and he'll be telling this story to his grandkids. And they're not, you know, you'd, seriously, Grandpa, you, you didn't really play in the <laughs> NHL. Yeah, I did. Oh, you know what you really hope if you're Scott Foster? That the Opeachy or whatever trading well, he's card. You gotta get a hockey. You card. gotta get a hockey card. You hope that they were there taking pictures that day, and he gets a hockey card. And next year, you can get it with your bubble gum in one of the packages that you buy at the local store. Rob, I'm not sure what site this is. It's it's not Hockey DB, the one we we interviewed the guy mm-hmm. for Hockey DB with your terrible picture. But I don't know if it's Elite <laughs> Prospects, but it's one of those sites where it has all the guys' stats. So it has 0506 Western Michigan 2006 to 2017. Did not play, and then, so then his appearance with the Blackhawks tonight uh, has been updated. So it's funny. And I, it, when I played in the minors, we played against Vegas once, and it was a back-to-back game Friday and Saturday night. And the Friday night, they just ran us out of the building. They were tough, and we weren't. And we were already shorthanded. We were three players short. The next day, LA called up five of their players because they didn't want them hurt their prospects. So we were like eight players short to play in the second of back-to-back games. So our coach had a buddy in town in Vegas. He played for us. This Brian Straub was our defenseman. His brother was in town for a bachelor party. He played for us. And there was a cop that someone knew that was in town from Boston, and he dressed for us. So these three guys who, two of them had never played any sort of professional hockey in their lives, they dressed. We lost that game 16-3 to in Las Vegas. And in warm-up, again, two of the guys could barely skate. They were ankle biters just skating around. They dressed for us, yeah. Marty McSorley's brother, Chris, was coaching the other team. He had quite the chuckle. 
So yeah, so I've I, that's I've, an amazing yeah. story yeah. out of Chicago. Yeah, yeah, I went to, I went to a bachelor party and ended up playing in a pro hockey game while I was down there. This was the IHL. That was the IHL, and, that, and that's like one level below the NHL. Oh, I know. It's not like you were in like the. Florida Everglades hockey league nope. with three teams and well and the worst was the LA Kings with Sam Disaster was their their GM decided you know what I don't want it LA or Vegas is tough I don't want any of our real prospects to get hurt so they were all sitting in the stands watching <laughs> like we have five guys healthy guys sitting in the stands while we're out there getting beat up and some cop from Boston the cop was like 43 years old he's playing some guy's brother and and then the coach's buddy they all dress for us Oilers lose 2-1 to Vancouver let's go back one more time here's Leon Dreisaitl final few minutes uh, what did you like about that um, yeah I thought we had a few chances um, uh, you know I thought we had uh, tons of chances uh, you know this game especially and um, you know it didn't want to go in and um, you know their goalie had a good game is that just that's what you're going to chalk this one up to obviously because you guys did have your chances missed wide there early in the third too so is this just one of those games that just doesn't go your way uh, yeah I think we had our chances to win it uh, I thought we were pretty solid um, you know one breakdown um, by me um, but you know that happens um, so uh, yeah just focus on the next game and um, you know come out with the same intensity battle you guys talk about the battle level and, and the compete over certain games I know the results haven't gone your way but do you like the way the way, the way you guys have battled uh, yeah I think uh, you know the, the most part um, the most chunk of our games lately have been really good um, we had a few where we weren't as sharp and um, you know even today I thought we easily could have won that game and um, you know I thought uh, you know everyone competed and um, you know, we, we battled hard. All right, that is Leon Dreisaitl. Oilers lose 2-1 to the Canucks. Jacob Markstrom, the Vancouver goalie, he was excellent tonight. He makes 35 saves. Uh, got a couple uh, goal posts helping him out a little bit, but his goalies will tell you. What, do you want me to stop the ones that are going wide? That was actually Tom Barrasso's line. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he, he had a little arrogance in his in his games and his post-talks too, yeah. All right, so uh, that does it for uh, tonight's game, obviously. <laughs> Since it ended over an hour ago, <laughs> we're clearly winding down here as well. Uh, if you have tomorrow off, hope it's a good one. If uh, you're working over the weekend, I hope it's uh, good as well. Here's what we're going to do for our next game. It'll be Saturday night. The Oilers will visit the Calgary Flames. The face-off show will be at 6.30, and the game will be at 8. For Inside Sports tomorrow from 6 to 8, uh, we got a best-of show. So I won't actually be here. You'll hear my voice on uh, recording. You'll hear from people like Curler Mark Kennedy, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, Caitlin Osmond, Jennifer Jones. So uh, that'll be fun from 6 to 8 tomorrow if you got time to tune in. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy. He's our studio producer this evening. Another disappointing one for the Oilers. Can't get the finish. They lose 2-1 to the Vancouver Canucks. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. You can always get more, of course, on 630ched.com. Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.